Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk Bikini. So today we have our special guest back, Dr. Mac, as requested by you all. Welcome, Dr. Mac. Greetings, how are you girls? What, what, what time you got there in, where are you? We're uh, in Dubai. Dubai. <laughs> no, I, I know. I always get Abu Dhabi and Dubai mixed up. But okay, anyway. fair enough, fair enough. It's 3.30, 3.30 over here. Okay, cool. All right, good. Well, I'm home. I'm back on the coast, so it's 9.30 p.m. We're good. When did you get back home? Because you were in Vegas, weren't you? Yeah, no, no, I went over. Yeah, I was in Vegas, and then I had to go up to Indianapolis to do some work at the NFL Combine, and then... I had tickets to go to the Arnold and then I got late. It was late and I didn't, I missed the Arnold. I had a shocker. Um, and, then, oh. and then I had to go back to um, LA and spend a bit of time there. So yeah, flew in yesterday. So all good. Okay, done. done. I was gonna say, what university are you working at now? Or are we not allowed to say that? Oh no, I think we can say that. I'm at, I'm at the University of Southern Queensland now. So I'm, uh, I'm the head of school for uh, health and medical sciences. Uh, yeah, so that's everything from what you did, Steph, uh, in sport and exercise science. Steph is still one of the uh, most outstanding students I think I've seen <laughs> in my career. Favourite. And, um, and, and then everything from, you know, OT, we're doing physio, medicine, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So it's pretty cool. Mm, awesome. Yeah. When did you end up leaving Bond University? Uh, I left Bond uh, four years ago. Time flies. Yeah. So I was there for about 15 years um, and you would have finished quite a long time ago now too, right? Yeah, 2014. So what's that like? Yeah. Seven, yeah. seven, eight years ago? So you weren't training back then, were you? Um, yeah. I was training, but I didn't start my first comp prep until, until I graduated. So I finished in December 2014. So I knew, I knew the whole... The whole last year of uni, I knew I wanted to compete, but I was waiting until I finished uni um, just so I can get my degree over done with before doing a comp prep. So um, I remember graduating, like finishing December and just starting my, um, my comp prep straight away and graduated like pretty deep. You kept that under the radar. You kept that well under the radar. Because, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I had no idea. Little yeah. did I know then that you would become... Uh, very famous IFBB <laughs> pro. Oh, wow. yeah. Well, that's why, that's why I love your class. Your class is like all about the oh, really? weight training. Thank you very much. You have to say that, I know, because I'm on your show. But um, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I used to just go in and have a chat, really, I think, most of the time about stuff, training, whatever. Anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been doing that a long time. So, um, I don't really teach much anymore. I haven't done that for about four or five years. I now pretty much just run. I'm a manager now. I administrate the school and um, so and do, still do a bit of research, which is cool, um, and consultancy with teams and that sort of thing. So it keeps me busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. You got a good setup there, but it looks pretty cash on the couch. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Thanks to um Aspen. big thanks to Slim Tom. We'll give them a quick mention now. Um, that yeah, another quick shout out. Thanks, Slim Tom, for um, hosting this. Just getting, getting everything happening. Getting everything happening for us. It took us a little while to get ourselves sorted. Yeah. Um, but four months later, I think we finally arrived. Yeah. Yeah. And we're on a roll now. Yeah. Yeah. And 
And do I see something on Insta that your plans have changed? You're, you're now both staying in that part of the world or? For no. now. For now. Um, yeah. Never say never. Uh, we could get to USA and um, China. I absolutely love it. So yeah. who knows if there's potential there. Yeah. Um, another opportunity comes up, then um, yeah. it's always been my dream. To see what happens. So just waiting for the, the right opportunity to come along. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's a different. Uh, yeah, it's a completely different vibe. I think just the whole bodybuilding community over in that part of the world. And you know, I was in LA for a week or so, just training the goals of Venice. And yeah, there's a fair atmosphere. It's a pretty, pretty cool place to be. Um, I don't know. You've been. You've trained there before, at Venice. Oh goals? yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I went to. Um, uh, I went to the USA the first time as a holiday. Um, going to Venice, um, Gold's Gym Venice was very top of my bucket list and going to the Olympia. So I went there and went to Olympia um, and it sucked me in. I kept going back every year after that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. They've done a heap of work on it because last time I was there, because of COVID, no one could travel obviously for ages. So I haven't been there for about two years and um, they've done a heap of work on it. It's upgraded a lot of stuff and increased the size of it. It's, it's a it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good setup. They don't miss though. It's like forty bucks US for a casual, so it's like really? sixty bucks. They don't miss. Well, anyway. yeah, and and it's pretty cool. You know, I'm standing there and getting a protein shake, and the big man walks in. Like, yeah. um, so, you know, he <laughs> oh gosh. So, poor. I feel for him though. People never leave him alone, right? So yeah. Uh, I just said, Arnie, come here, mate. We'll have a chat. And, but no, we didn't do that. But anyway. <laughs> He said, Mac, what are you doing here? I haven't seen you for a while. You came at the same time, like 7 o'clock every morning, I heard, Arnold. I, yeah, I don't know. He was there. That was probably 10 a.m. when I was there okay. most mornings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so after the, after the shows, my sister and I were going to do a bit of traveling. So I think we're going cool. to New York and then L.A. because I've never been to Gold's Gym. So I'm so yeah. excited. And then we'll do a Vegas trip as well. Yeah. Check out yeah. Dragon's Lair. Yeah, it's a good setup. Um, yeah. Not very big, but it's a good setup. They've got a lot of good equipment. and Yeah. Um, there's some impressive physiques floating around, for sure. For uh, sure, yeah. Uh, Are you planning to get to uh, Vegas for the Olympia this year? Oh, yeah, I'll be there for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Same. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh yeah because i mean we haven't been able to go anywhere right for, for mm. two years I, I normally would go to the arnold and the olympia if i can and uh but i haven't been to the olympia for years so it'll be good to get back there this year yeah. and the expos and all that sort of thing because they, they canned a lot of that um and just did the shows for the last couple of years i think so the expos are always good um you know, just to restock the t-shirts for training, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's, it's good time. So it's a good feel. Lots of people and Vegas is a, um, an interesting town. It's a good town. Yeah. 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 I've heard the community there, the whole bodybuilding community's yeah. grown a lot. Yeah. Is that, yeah. so I'm excited to see it. Yeah. 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 So there's some, there's some, um, uh, I'll tell you, um, um, Hidatashi, uh, oh, geez, I won't even pronounce it right. Um, and Iris Kyle, they've just opened a powerhouse there. It's a pretty good setup as well. There's some good gyms. Yeah, it's a good setup. You'll have fun. 
the podcast is back up. I think there's the followers have been waiting for the uh, for the show to get back on the road. So yeah, they have. Yeah, they've been they've been waiting for you as well. Trust yeah. me. Of course. Of We've course. had so many requests for Doctor Mac. You've to had come one. Back. Come on, you've had no. one. And that was me. I made the request. I, I used a false name. I said, "Bring back Doctor Mac." <laughs> No, oh, lots yeah. of requests. It's good to be back though. Well, thanks for having me back on. I We had a long chat last time, so yes, um, we do tend to go off track a little bit, but that's okay, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's me. So um, what are we going to talk about? What's our first topic for today, Dr. Mac? What's our topic? Yes. Topic for today? Oh, do I get to choose? This is the if, best show if, ever. If you'd like to choose, go for it. Oh, well, um, we were going to talk, well, we are going to, we have to talk glutes, don't we? At some point, we've got to talk about some glutes. Yes, stuff. absolutely. Um, and Steph was going to send me some photos, but I don't think she did. Did you send yeah, me any I photos? Did. Yes, I did. Oh, you did? On Instagram. Best photo. Oh, okay. Um, so why we start off with that topic then? So, um, you did too. Sorry, I just got them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so did Claire. Okay, gotcha. Hey, um, so because I see a lot of stuff on Insta, I think we should talk about a couple of topics that are going around, like particularly, for example, I'm seeing a lot of this talk about deadlifts making people's waists thick and blocky. I think we touched on, did we touch on this last time? I don't remember. So, uh, so blocky hips, which neither of you have, which is awesome. Um, and so... Because I see, because there's a fair bit of debate, right? Because can you explain something to me? Because I don't get it, right? So we're talking, mate. This is a bikini podcast, right? So mm-hmm. my my philosophy in training is you keep the main thing the right the main thing, right? So if you want to be a, comp- a bikini competitor, you train to be a bikini competitor. If you want to be a um, powerlifter, you train to be a powerlifter. If you want to be something else, you be something else, right? That's the way you train. But I see, I don't know if. I've never seen either of you do it, but I see a lot of other people on Instagram and social media doing really heavy one RM squats, really heavy one RM deads. And I'm like, I don't get it because it's not a strength contest. Right. Mm -hmm. And you want to, you want to put, you want to put muscle mass on, right. And you want to, you want to develop muscle mass. And there's a few ways. Well, you need three things for that. As you know, you need, we need, you need to load the muscle, you need metabolic demand, which brings about hormonal changes like uh, growth hormone and things like that. And then you need a little bit of trauma, like muscle damage, which micro trauma, which leads to the, the rebuilding of the, of the muscle, right? But if you want to get strong, you train in a completely different way, right? So, and I understand, I understand people want to get stronger so that they can lift heavier weight for more reps so they'll get an increased volume load but i don't, I don't get it do you do you girls train one rms and stuff like that or not so no much? definitely not definitely yeah. not i might yeah. like so everything i kind of do is like eight reps onwards every now and yeah. then if i'm trying to get like stronger to a hip like stronger to hip thrust um i would do deadlifts or alibaba squats but for example if i feel like i want to just push my strength up a little bit um during a grow like a like deep and off season, I might drop back to like four to six reps just to try and like get my hip thrust strength up a little bit, just so I can push more weight when I'm going back to my original hypertrophy training. 
yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm the exact same. I wouldn't go anywhere below six reps for my squats, like six to eight reps for squats and deadlifts. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, it's usually eight to 12 reps. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's where you should be, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I just, I think it's become popular with a few people who are pretty influential doing sort of 1RMs and now it's become this, everyone wants to lift the house kind of thing. And I'm like, well, like the risk associated with that for injury is pretty high. Like, so I train a lot of footy players. I haven't done, I haven't prescribed 1RMs or 2RMs to anybody anywhere in any sport in 30 years. Like it's just, well, maybe not that long, but 20 years. Um, unless you're an Olympic weightlifter or a power or a strong person, because you can't say strong man because they're strong women too, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, true. Strong people, strong person. Um, you know, that sort of stuff, then I think that that's really appropriate. But anyway, uh, it's kind of off topic. But I think one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of is a bit of debate around the thick, the thickening of the waist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're doing a lot of really heavy deads, we talked about this the other day. It depends on, the, on a couple of things, right? It depends on the shape of your pelvis for a start. And then um, a couple of things around how the, the, so you need, have we talked about this? I don't know. but you know, lumbar lordosis, right? So the, the degree of lumbar lordosis that you have in your lumbar spine, which is the, the sort of the curve in your lower back. And then it's the size of the width of your ilium, which you, you got your pelvis, which is the two big bones at the top there, your ilium. And then there's the um, thing called the um, the length and the angle of inclination of the, what's called the acetofemoral joint structure. So you've got your femur, which has got a head on it, the head of the femur goes into the acetabulum of the, of the pelvis mm-hmm. and it's, it's either, it's slightly on an angle, um, either front or back and then up or down. So those kind of things will determine how wide your hips are. They'll actually determine whether, you know, some girls get that divot in their, the side of their hips. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that between yep. their greater trochanters and their ilium? So, and then, the size actually of your graduate candidates as well has a big thing to do with it. So, because put it this way, if you're, if you're a girl who's got a posteriorly t- tilted pelvis, a small sacral um, angle, and I can talk about that a bit more. So she's got a flat bum, right? There's a lot of girls that have a flat bum and they, they want to grow their glutes. If they deadlift a lot, they'll recruit a lot of lower back and a lot of the main muscle that grows is your, um, external oblique um, and so when you look at someone from behind and you look at them from in front the muscle that you see that is the thick muscle on the side of the pelvis that we see a lot in and don't get me wrong I'm a fan of CrossFit somewhat but you see a lot of people in CrossFit really thick through the midsection mm. if, you, if you notice yeah. um, particularly a lot of the girls that their weapons don't get me wrong but um, they're pretty thick through their waist mm-hmm. and I think that's yeah. a consequence of, of doing a ton of deads um, as opposed to a girl who's got a fairly large lumbar lordosis, has an anteriorly rotated pelvis and a large sacral slope, she'll recruit almost total glute when she does deadlifts. So two girls with completely different pelvis structures will recruit completely different um, muscle mass when they do the same exercise, which is why it's so, so important that if you're working with a coach or you know, you're doing, you're doing your, um, you know, a trainer or whatever it might be, PT, whatever it might be. They, one size doesn't fit all. Like, you know, 
some girls are not built to deadlift and some girls are built to deadlift. So um, that's, that's probably one of the key things, but it's the external oblique that will grow. And that will, that will absolutely like every other muscle um, lead to a thickening of your waist. And that's not what you want. If you want to be a bikini competitor, you, you want to keep your waist tiny pretty much. Right. Mm -hmm, yeah. I mean, you know more than, that than I do. And that's the, and that leads into this, um, the shoulder hip ratio, which, um, in, in, in competitive physique competition, like bodybuilding, bikini, whatever, that, that V taper is what I'm talking about. You know, you want it to be, you want your shoulders to be about 1.4 to 1.6 times as wide as your pelvis. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the classic V taper. And so girls are a little bit thick, wider through the pelvis just by natural, you know, that's the evolution of humans that we girls have a slightly wider pelvis. Some, um, it might be only 1.2 to 1.4, but you see, you know, some of the girls that we see, you know, in, in pro ranks like yourselves, um, have got, you know, they've got the cap delts that are wide as a house. They've got the tiny little waist, the, the, the glutes, the upper glute, that, that whole shelf things going on. Um, and that's got a lot to do with, the um, I suppose the visual, uh, appearance of, of how you present your physique, right? So you both know way better than I do around posing. You know, you, you can sell a physique and you can hide, you know, maybe maybe there's things you, you don't want to... If you've got a weak point, for example, you can hide that somewhat mm. if you know yeah. what you're doing, mm. as opposed mm. to um, you can accentuate things as well, right? In, if, you, if you're really strong through your upper glute, into your glute mead, you know, when you hit some of the side poses and I don't know the terminology, so I'll get it wrong. Um, you know, you can really work on that and the angles through the midsection and so forth. So I think the really experienced girls will be able to hide it if they do get a bit thicker through their obliques, particularly external oblique. Um, but it, it, if the question is, is it possible for deadlifts to make me blocky through the hips? It, the answer is yeah, but it does depend. Yeah. Um, so that was a long ramble on a pretty simple answer. But anyway, but, that's what I'm here for. Exactly. All the details. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. All the details. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and it's part of the whole kinetic chain thing and that whole um, posterior chain and, you know, recruiting. Because I think the thing that people forget is nothing happens in isolation. So even if you're deadlifting or doing your thrusts or whatever, you know, you still need stabilizing muscles like your obliques and intercostals and things like that to, to maintain st stability through your pelvis. Like you can't just hit glute max. Glute meat's still going to activate. So is glute minimus and so is piriformis and so is, you know, up into the paraspinals. And so the other thing that has an impact with the girls that have the relatively flat bums, they can get pretty thick through their lower back as well. So because um, there's a fair bit of anatomy going on in, in the lower back and it, and Steph, you'll remember this because, you know, it's not that long ago that you were in here, but <laughs> the, the spine, yeah, so the, the erector spinae actually really complicates about 25 muscles that form the erector spinae, but the big ones are um, um, logismus thoracis and, and um, it's probably the main one that's at the bottom and, and maybe iliacrostalis lumborum, which are the back muscles are structured um, from top to bottom and then they go, there's three layers going down and then three layers going out. Um, and so uh, that 
the girls that have flat bottoms and posteriorly rotated pelvises, and you can tell if you've got a posteriorly rotated pelvis by just turning side on, and if you, well, you kind of need a trained eye, but um, they'll have a relatively flat lower back and no bum. So, and so they're, they're going to recruit a lot more uh, erector spinae when they when they deadlift, and they'll get thick through their lower back and thick through their their um, uh, obliques, as opposed to a girl who has quite a pronounced lordosis. Like I said, she'll get a ton of glute max and a ton of glute meat, okay. which is what you want. Yeah. Is it possible for your pelvis um, to be like unilateral out of balance and kind of have a combination of both? Like, for example, I feel like on my left side, my lower back and my um, my obliques get like it will thicken a lot easier than my right side. So, like in terms of my glute development, if you look at my photo side on, my right glute is more developed than what my left glute is. Yeah, hundred percent, and it can. So it's called nutation, which is N-U-T-A-T-I-O-N, mutation. So, and the, it gets technical, but we talk about the ilium, which becomes what's called the anominate, and that's just garbage talk, isn't it, really, when I say that stuff? But <laughs> yes. anyway, yeah. so when you've got your ilium that attach onto the sacrum, right, in the middle, yeah. sacrum, mm-hmm. your sacrum bone, um, one can go forwards and one can go back. Absolutely. Okay. You don't mm-hmm. want that, but it, it can absolutely do that. The sacral slope uh, will, will sort of accommodate that a little bit, um, but the answer to your question, Steph, is yes, you can have that. And yes, that will change the recruitment patterns when you lift. Okay. And that requires, um, it's actually pretty hard to fix. Um, it requires sort of manual manipulation and you'd have to, you'd also have to then look, when you look at the, the pelvis and you, you sort of got those kind of discrepancies, you kind of think, well, okay, um, Things either get really short and tight and then long and loose. So on one side, you might be pretty tight through your hip flexors uh, and relatively um, loose doesn't sound like a good word, but relatively flexible through hamstring, for example, or um, lower glute, for example. And on the other side, you might be neutral through your pelvis, through your um, hip flexors, like, um, uh, yeah, through your hip flexors, probably the best way to describe it. And then, and and much tighter through your glute and that will re- you'll you'll then have a propensity to engage the muscle that is short and tight mm-hmm. and okay. it'll grow yeah okay. so um it's kind of um it, yeah if you if you um if you have someone who has a really good look at your pelvis they'll be able to identify um you know whether or not one is slightly um you know, out of alignment with the other. Um, mm-hmm. And it happens all the time. Okay. Yeah. And I know some girls sent in some questions around one glute being slightly bigger than the other. Um, that's not at all uncommon. You know, you think about um, whatever your dominant foot is, right or left, um, and whether or not you've got a, you know, a subconscious sort of propensity to sort of load up one side more than the other on different exercises, it, it, it's not uncommon. Do you think there is a way um, training wise that you can um, train around that issue? As in like, would you do unilateral work? Would you train yeah. one side different to the other? No, no I'll train both the same, but I do a lot of um, single leg unilateral stuff. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if, you, if you definitely know that that's the problem, then, then I would try and identify what's causing that. Is it, is it a muscle issue? Is it a purely a structural issue? Is it, you know, what's caused that? Like, because you know, some people might have had, you know, something they fell off a swing when they were a kid and they, you know, damaged their pelvis and it's been that way or they fell off a bike or a horse, I don't know, anything. Um, you can have that that sort of doesn't really present itself and you can be pain-free um, and and still have those traits that sort of sit within the pelvis and that, and that starts to show, particularly when you're lean, right? When you get really lean and you start to, see the differences in you know what's actually under um the skin um Mm -hmm. and a bit of adipose tissue um yeah that 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 can be a thing for sure 100 percent. yeah i do i do feel like it's really um for it is yeah yeah like it's very i feel like it's very rare um because i work with a lot of posing clients it's very rare if i see someone like with our front pose and i2b it's it's basically a side pose and it's like a lot of rotation as well. Um, yeah. Like keeping your hip side on then rotating your thoracic to, to reach to the front. And it's very, very rare that I see someone that is exactly the same on, on both sides. So everyone's yeah. always kind of got that, you know, a bit more lopsided or like better rotation side towards the other. hundred percent. And that'll be, that comes down to, you know, the, the muscle development of it, the, even just their um, sort of mind muscle connection, that ability to recruit and control and, you know, maintain tension through to hold a pose and things like that. Like, cause there's, this is one of the things I think with, with novices in, in physique, it actually, you actually have to develop a, a reasonable amount of muscle mass to actually um, hold the poses in, in the positions that you want them. Like, and they're like baby giraffes at the staff, right? It's because they're, they're kind of all over the place and they're trying to hold it, but they don't, they don't actually have a, a mind muscle feel to be able to actually, when you say, okay, switch on, you know, switch on your glute, right? They kind of struggle to work out how to do that. And it takes a lot of practice um, and stage presentation is massive, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, nailing that is, um, is a big part of it. But, but the answer to your question is really, really common. And I, I think, um, uh, I think the, the just doing unilateral work, um, lots of single leg work. If it if it's really really noticeable, then then maybe you have to shift your training up a little bit um, and try some different things. And maybe that's you know that would be a volume thing. I would be saying you, you need to get we need to get more volume, more reps, and more volume into your, into that muscle group and help it to grow. Um, I've never seen it that bad where I'd, I'd had to do that. You know, normally it might be a, you know, to a really trained eye, they could probably identify a little bit of a discrepancy. But most people, like you both got trained eyes, right? So you're going to see it. But um, most people probably wouldn't notice, um, you know, just day to day walking around doing their sessions. So, um, yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do you but, feel like you're, you're unilateral, Claire? Do, I, do you feel like you have any imbalances? I, not that I've noticed, to be honest. Mm. Um, I feel, I feel like, like you're quite I'm even. Quite even, yeah. I feel yeah. like I have quite a square midsection, like body shape. You're crazy. You reckon? <laughs> what do you think, Doctor Mac? <laughs> no, <laughs> you have, I don't think you have a check on really. 
I'm just looking at them right now. Yeah. Nah, you, you don't. So, well, I don't think you do. I don't know. But so, because there's lots of different shaped butts, right? And, yeah. and midsections. So, you know, some people have um, like a really square. Nah, you're not. You're definitely not, Claire. <laughs> I'm, doing this, I'm doing this on the fly. Yeah, um, on the go. Uh, no, you have. So if I look at you side on. Yeah. You have a fairly classic, um, you have a, I wouldn't say you have a pronounced lordosis through your lumbar spine. You have a, you have a neutral lordosis through your lumbar spine. You look like you've got really anteriorly uh, rotated um, ilium. So your pelvis seems to be really anteriorly rotated. And that gives you uh, that upper, upper gluteal shelf. Like, um, and then your sacral slope looks like it's, large which is a good thing to be okay. for being a big thing much better so what that means is you from side on you have you know you have a round butt but yeah. you kind of knew that yeah. um and even front on um front on you can tell that your your both your hips are rotating forward um it it means you're probably not um built to be a um i don't know a marathon runner no, um, you're built for speed, Claire. You're, you're built for speed, is what you are. Okay. Yeah. Um, and left versus right looks pretty pretty even to me. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, no. Let's talk about Let's have a look That's at Steph quickly. Yeah. I think mine's pretty dodgy. <laughs> Holy dooly. This is dodgy. <laughs> um, so you're, you're interesting. So you, you've got, you don't have as pronounced a lordosis. You've got a much more neutral lumbar spine. And you've got a, yeah, this is actually really interesting. So you've got a much, um, not a much, but your sacral angle, it's hard to explain this without some um, anatomical models, um, but you've got a, you seem to have a really neutral pelvis is what I'm seeing here. Whereas Claire's pelvis is quite rotated forwards. Yours was not rotated forwards at all. Yours looks pretty, um, pretty neutral. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think Claire's got a quite a pronounced sacral slope, whereas yours again looks pretty neutral. Um, and then is your left, is it your left that is, hang on a minute. Yeah. So it's my left side that I feel like my glute's smaller and I recruit a lot more lower back and um, yep. like obliques. You do. You can tell hundred percent. So um, particularly with this side on view, you've got, yeah, it's 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 not terrible. It's great. I mean, you're you're a pro IFBB bikini competitor, so it's it's um, but it's noticeable. Yeah, I can see what you're talking about, and even through in the India glute ham tie-in, you can see just a slightly different um, level of detail there. So on your right, on your right, you've got your, your hammy looks a bit bigger on your right too. Um, yeah, but you, you've got a much more neutral pelvis uh, as opposed to Claire, for sure. And then from the front on, yeah, so your obliques, your obliques are, um, you're, you're right, they're, they're way more developed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. It is interesting. So your, your, I mean, I'm just eyeballing this, your shoulder to hip ratio is probably one point maybe 1.3, 1.4, where I think Claire's is probably um, 
probably closer to 1.5, 1.6. Yeah. Your shoulders are pretty wide, Claire. I've got, yeah, I've got quite a broad upper body. Yeah. yeah. You've got a broad shoulders and a tiny pelvis. You yeah. kind of built everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, For sure. Yeah. No, so that, and I, yeah, you can see that. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, that, and from a coaching perspective, when you're looking at people, so in terms of what exercises, I would say, um, so with, with people who've got, um, say, uh, so, okay, so we take a, a people with a sort of a rounder butt, like a, so we take a, an anterior rotated pelvis with a large slope, um, and, and girls will know if they've got that because you can kind of feel that you've got a large, larger lordosis. So I would have them do a lot more, what, what I would say, horizontally loaded stuff. So hip thrusts, um, you know, uh, your kickback type things, your single leg reverse hypers, um, even sort of pendulum type, um, single leg squat type stuff um, versus if someone's got a flatter bum, I'm going to get them to do a bit more vertical load work. So they're going to do, they're probably going to squat a bit more. Um, so I think, and, and dead, you could deadlift all day, Claire. Whereas yeah. with, with you, Steph, I would, I'd probably have you do more vertical loaded work. So um, everyone's got a lunge. I mean, lunge is not lunge, sorry, thrust. I mean, thrust is pretty much the go. And a lot of the EMG data, even Brett Contreras did a lot of this. I think you get about a 300% more glute max recruitment doing a thrust than a squat. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a significant difference. Um, but like Steph, high box step ups, things like that for you. Um, good mornings, um, you know, all the different squat variations, lots of lunge variations. Um, still deadlift, but I'd, I don't know how you deadlift, but probably with a, a hex bar or something like that, just to take, get you into a more upright position when you do it. Lots mm -hmm. of Romanians. Um, what else? Stuff like that. Um, I do tend yeah. to find that elevating my toes um, is a lot more comfortable for me when I'm doing like RDLs. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you want to be back on your heels anyway, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's, that's interesting though. Um, yeah. So, you got, yeah, you got quite different physiques. So, yeah. you're a fair bit taller though, Steph, aren't you? How, you're like, yeah, yeah. So when we won our pro cards um, in Japan, I was ten kilos heavier than Claire. Exactly ten kilos. So we're about how much taller? Do you reckon we are? Well, how, do you know how many centimeters you are? I'm one hundred and sixty-three, and I'm one hundred and fifty-four or fifty-five. You're okay. Yeah, so nearly ten. That was in Japan yeah. too, right? That was in yeah. Japan. Yeah, you yep. both did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think of Japan? Oh, I loved Japan. It's beautiful. We actually yeah. really want to go back and compete there again. Yeah. If we, we are considering right. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, yeah. Um, yeah. I lived there for seven years in Japan. Get out. Yeah. Where did yeah. you live? In Tokyo or? No, no, I was in Kobe, which is down okay. south of Osaka. Yeah. What did you think so, of Japan? Uh, yeah, it was, I had a really good time. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, once I kind of, was it okay with the language? It, it became a bit more friendly, like easier to get around and that sort of thing. But no, it's a great, it's a great place. So people were friendly and, you know, I, I found um, it difficult to get. So I, 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 I did a few bodybuilding comps back in the day. Steph, you wouldn't even know this, but <laughs> so I, I did a couple of shows and um, 
did okay. But anyway, so then I went and worked in Japan and I found it almost impossible to maintain what we would probably consider a normal bodybuilding diet. I like really struggled to get the protein in. Um, yeah, really. Well, there was rice everywhere, but it was a real struggle to get the protein in. So I shrunk. I'd lost probably 20 kilos of muscle. Yeah. Um, yeah, never got it back. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's life. Yeah. But, I found um, it was really hard to get chicken in Japan. I only yeah. needed fish ever. So, okay. And I oh, found fish was lost. easy to get. Yeah. Mm. But chicken. How did you go and, with that fish the other day that arrived? In the whole fish arrived in your. You in the saw box. that. You saw that on my story. <laughs> yeah, I saw the story. That's oh, doc, that was a nightmare. I read no, it? I couldn't touch it. No. I reordered no. it, and I specifically yeah. wrote, "Cut the head off, please take the skin off and the bones," and it came yeah. the exact same way. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I tried. I actually chopped it. And I got 50 grams worth out of that whole fish. That's probably why I didn't do it. Yeah. (laughs) So now I found frozen barramundi. It's taken me like a week to find fish. But now I bought, I stocked up on like six bags and I finished them. And now the shops are out of stock. So I actually have no fish right now. (laughs) Yeah. I need to do some sort of scavenger hunt tonight. That's not what you want when you're three weeks out. No. um, Is to have any fish. No. No. So when do you drop, so, do, you, uh, do you eat red meat much? You both when you're in the off season and things like that, do you eat red meat or mostly keep it? I don't prefer it, but I do have it in my diet most of the time. Um, I just cut it out probably about a week or a week and a half ago. So yeah, yeah pretty much the whole time until like not far out of comp, I'll cut it out. I'm the same. Yeah. I had it in for about most of the prep until maybe maybe five weeks ago I cut mine out. Hmm. It's been yeah. a little bit longer without it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, What's your go-to? Barramundi. You, you go, yeah. you like your mm. yeah. That's mm-hmm. my favourite, yeah. Fish, yeah. Are you on any fish now, Steph? No, this is the first part I've never um, had fish, fish the whole time. Okay. So I'm thinking about no adding fish. the fish. No, yeah. not yet, yeah. not yet. Yeah, well, uh, mainly luck. just because it's a pain in the butt to try and source it yeah. from Dubai. So I've been putting yeah. it off. But um, yeah, so far so good. Just four meals of chicken and two meals of egg whites at the moment. So. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, normally it's your go-to, right? From whatever eight weeks out, it's all fish and yeah, you know, pretty pretty bland. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. Oh, that's good. Very bland. Yeah. You coming in? You know, like, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's um, it, you look, you both look good. Like from what you you've been posting and stuff. How's and the training's been good over there. You, you, yes. Who's the yep. guy that you work with that wears the um the colourful ensembles? Like, he's always pretty colour coordinated. The guy. In the big um, bag, Dr. Mutaz, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, he's a good egg. Good he's, bag. um, yeah, we met him when we first joined, um, Binos Gym, which is uh, the bodybuilding gym over here. Um, yeah. and he just offered to train us. And we're like, yeah, okay, so we just, okay. yeah, have some sessions with him every now and then. It's a, a good push. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an awesome gym to be in. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a great setup. Yeah, um, so. So did we talk? So we've done that to death, thickening the waist. We've probably done that to yeah. death. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we're ready. Yeah, find out what your pelvis is, and then and then you can determine what is. But because I see a lot of girls going, no, 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 I deadlift. I always heavy deadlift, and my waist is tiny. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're probably built to do it. Where versus someone who's got a really wide pelvis and that sort of thing is gonna who's gonna get really thick. So um, keep, you know, just work out what is best for you, I guess, is, yeah. is the go-to. 
Can I talk about my other pet peeve while we're here? Mm -hmm. yes, tell us, tell us. My next pet peeve, I don't know if you do this. I haven't noticed if either of you do this. Do you take your shoes off when you deadlift and squat? I don't. I take it off sometimes if I am doing a really heavy, heavy hip thrust or like a hack squat. Um, but that's, it's just this pure comfort kind of, kind of thing. Oh, it's a comfort thing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I see a lot, right? Mm. And mm -hmm. I, I often wonder what the proposed benefit is of it. And I'll probably upset a few of your listeners because most of them would be, so most of them are probably deadlifting and, and they now hate me because I just said they might get a thick pelvis. And then the others that are taking their shoes off don't like me anymore either because I said my thing. But anyway, the reason I mention it is because uh, from a muscle recruitment perspective, um, there's no benefit. So if it's a fee, if you just feel more comfortable doing it that way, well, okay, whatever, right? Knock yourself out. But if you if you're doing it because because I've had a couple of people tell me that they they recruit more glute when they do that, and that's not that's just not correct. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but if it's just a pure comfort feel thing, okay. In fact, there's one muscle when you take your shoes off and you do a a deadlift. There's only one muscle, you'll never guess what it is, but there's one muscle that is recruited more than with shoes on. What would you guess if you were going to guess? Anything in that whole sort of chain from hip to foot. Can you ask that question again? My prep brain's a little bit behind. So if there, okay, so if you take your shoes off, right? Yes. And you do your deadlift or you do your squat. Uh-huh. One muscle in the entire body works harder than it would if you had shoes on what would be your guess you're not gonna guess i, it, I think it's I gonna be something like, random would it be like your shins or your I'm calves like it is in your shin it's your tibialis anterior yeah it's, yeah it's front of your shin. <laughs> so there you go you win so when you lower into your deadlift or your squat so it's eccentrically loading as you go into dorsiflexion in your ankle and flex at your knee so your tibia well, sorry, your, your um, tibialis anterior will elongate and eccentrically load. That's the only one, nothing else. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I guess it probably shouldn't be my pet peeve other than people walking around in socks in the gym. Because you never used to be able to wear it. You had to have your shoes on in the gym. Yeah. Is that just because I'm old? Maybe that's just me. I, I think it's all sort of things. Um, unless, you, unless you train in Venus gym yeah. and you're, you're me. <laughs> So what you won't let you or you can't unless oh i i think it's a general general rule you probably shouldn't but people do it yeah. it's yeah. like it's a bodybuilding gym, well, whatever. i tell you the only yeah, well the thing of it is this right so it depends on your foot structure so if you so you know everyone's pretty familiar with the medial longitudinal arch which is the you know your your arch in your foot mm -hmm. on the inside of your foot right everyone some people have a really high arch some people have a like I know, I work with some people who have got feet like their hands. They've almost got this thing called pes planus, which is really flat feet. Mm -hmm. So, and then you've got people who just have a neutral side of arch. But there's actually two other arches. There's a lateral longitudinal arch on the on the outside of your foot, and then there's a transverse arch that's actually extends across um, the front of your foot from the first to the fifth metatarsal. And so, the reason I mention that is because if you're if you're lifting a heavy load in an unsupported foot 
you will have a tendency to, if you have flat feet, you'll tend to collapse in, right? So what that'll do, if you think about the kinetic chain and how the ground reaction force comes from your foot through your ankle, shin, knee, etc., you'll tend to collapse in, which, which is a, um, uh, so a valgus stress that will happen and you'll have an increased loading on the medial structures in your knee. So your medial meniscus, um, MC, medial collateral ligament, all those things, they'll get loaded up big time. So your risk of injury or your increase, yeah, is, is higher if you've got dodgy feet. So there's probably some people who can do it, no problems. I mean, the foot's built to take, you know, we're, we're humans, we're built to walk around on our feet. So, and that's the whole windlass or windless mechanism. So your foot acts as a bit of a spring. Um, but then um, people who, I don't know, are you prone, uh, do you know if you pronate or supinate when you run or walk? Um, so my left foot actually rolls in. So okay, my so left foot's pretty flat foot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you, so you would, so you're a classic example of someone who would roll inwards when you, if you were dead, if you were squatting with no shoes on and it got really heavy, that left foot would tend to probably um, collapse inward mm-hmm. more than the other one. Yeah, definitely. Um, which would lead to, you know, you get an increased loading through your knee and, and just can end up with, you know, problems through your lower limb and it, it just, you know, some people would be fine with it. Others aren't, but anyway, I just mentioned it because it kind of is my, I'm an old man and I get yeah. peed off, but that's all right. Do I'm you feel out. like, do you feel like it makes a difference? Um, a lot of people like to train like legs with, with flat shoes versus like oh, yeah. other shoes. So do you definitely think they're like flat shoes? Definitely. Like, like converses, vans, those kind of issues. Yeah, that's the go-to. Yeah, 100%. Um, unless you're squatting, because if you know, you know, sort of weightlifting shoes have a bit of a heel. Yeah. So, if you want, if you're going to squat, you want a shoe with a with some heel counter or heel. Um, you know, it's still a hard midsole. You really, you don't want any spongy shoe. You want a hard midsole, which is all those shoes you mentioned, like your Chuck Taylors and all that sort of stuff. Even the good old-fashioned Dunlop Volley, good Aussie old shoe, like, you know, it's just rubber. It's not going to do it. You know, it's going to do nothing. So, yeah, I would never suggest that people go and do their deadlifts and their squats in their, you know, their Air Max and their, you know, whatever it might be. But if it's just a um, a hard midsole, which is the, the sort of rubber part for people listening. So you've got the outer sole, which is the grippy bit under the shoe, and then the midsole is the, the hard rubber bit in between. Um that's what you want for sure. Um, yeah, you, you don't want a spongy shoe. So, um, um, but yeah, I think if you've if you've got foot problems, don't take your shoes off. That would be my advice. If you've got perfect feet, do whatever you want. Yeah, um, you'll be you'll be good. Yeah. Um, cool. What awesome. else? Alrighty. What's next on uh, Dr. Matt's? Max, pet peeve list. My pet peeve? <laughs> I could talk all day. Uh, oh, well, we covered a fair bit of territory. What, were there any, what were some of the questions? So what, wasn't there a question around um, carbs and workouts and stuff? Yeah, I've got that one here. So we've got calves are constantly tight. Will stretching and foam rolling cut it? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, I mean, elaborate. Yeah, well, so um, 
yeah, if the calves are constantly tight, you've probably got to think about, well, why is that? Um, is it, it sounds mechanistic to me. It's probably um, an issue with ankle range, whether that's a structural thing or whether it's they've got poor ankle range because of, they've got tight calves. But you've got no other choice. You're going to have to stretch them. Yeah. Um, but, but the stretching needs to be, you know, you've got your static stretches and your dynamic and all that sort of stuff. I would do a lot of, um, you're going to have to do a lot of static stretching. So you're going to have to hold your stretches for an extended period of time. Um, maybe some PNF, those proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation stuff. If they're really tight, maybe, um, you know, maybe get some massage is good. Get some deep tissue work done in there. Maybe some trigger point work, um, some dry needling. If there's, you know, if there's triggers in there. I'm not a fan of cupping. I know a lot of people do a lot of cupping, but that's not really going to help with that at all. Um, and uh, the foam roller won't help much, really. It'll it'll warm it up, but it won't increase range. So if you want to increase range, you're going to have to do long static holds. Mm-hmm. Pretty much okay. that's all you got. Yeah. Yeah. Would you do um, your static stretching for your calves um, only post workout, or would you do it pre workout as well? After. Press workout. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah, so you, you know, it's yeah. You want to warm up to stretch, not stretch to warm up. Yeah, I think that's the key. So, um, I mean, calf range is only really. It's going to be an issue if you're trying to squat and deadlift, getting in you know sort of lower position. That's where you see people put their heels up on a plate or something like that, trying to get a bit of a mechanical advantage. Um, and that's not ideal either necessarily because that'll start to load the forefoot, which is not what you want when you squat because it'll throw all your weight forward um, and it, it'll just shift your, your recruitment patterns away from um, it, you'll hit your lower back a bit more, which is not what you necessarily want because you'll have to start because then you have to work to stay upright with the bar on your back. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is, which is, um, and you know, and you don't want to load the full. So if you're if you're squatting with no shoes on, with your feet up on a plate, that's a nightmare for your for your uh, plantar fascia. So I wouldn't do that ever. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. sure, okay. sure. Okay, awesome. We've got another question. Um, do shoulder presses build your traps if done incorrectly? How can we avoid this? Uh no, they don't. So uh, that's an interesting question. So your traps, uh, I don't know how that person would be doing their shoulder press. So if you, if you think about what well, the trap elevates your scapula, basically, right? It, it elevates it and upwardly rotates it. So um, in a normal, uh, no, I'm just trying to think of a situation where your trap could be recruited when your shoulder press, pretty unlikely to happen at all mm. um so sorry what was the question again Claire? It, um so, so they, they are can traps be developed can traps uh, i've heard shoulder presses build your traps if done incorrectly how can we avoid this okay so the, so the, unfortunately that's not the person's probably been a bit misled there yeah. you can you can see trap development in things like lateral raise lateral dumbbell raise people will tend to you know, recruit their trap when they do that. But if you're in a seated position and you're doing a shoulder press, you're not going to get trapped. Um, 
you, you, upright row, absolutely. You, you get a, you can get a fair bit of trap when you're upright row if you if you if you um, if you aren't doing it properly, um, and you can, you know, I mean traps. Um, I'm just trying to think, but yeah, no shoulder press. It, I wouldn't be concerned about doing shoulder presses and ending up with big traps. I'd be much more likely to be worried about doing upright rows um, and even even some side dumbbell raises. So people will tend to do a side dumbbell raise and they'll lean forward. Um, you can get a fair bit of trap when you do that as well. And I know even if you do, if you do your um, lateral raise on a 45 degree incline bench, which I do all the time, you've got to sort of concentrate to hit hit your delt and recruit your delt and not your trap because your trap is going to want to hold your scapula into a into a position where it's um, fixed against the your rib cage. So um, that's a technique thing that you just have to work on. But no, shoulder presses, I think, are 100% safe for traps. Yeah, awesome. Okay. So in terms of if you were training shoulders like lateral raises, um, what, would, what would be your tips to minimise trap engagement? Because I feel like a lot of bikini girls, especially, they have... They have a lot of trap engagement, and you can tell when you when you program a lot of shoulders um, for your clients, and they they don't get much shoulder growth, but your trap their traps just kind of get very dominant. Yeah, it's it's got to be a load thing. I mean, they've just got to they've just got to um, they're obviously recruiting more trap because it's heavy, mm. and they're trying to find a way to lift the, the weight. So I would I would take the weight out. I would I would modify the weight and pump up the reps that's what i'll be doing yeah. and um uh have them in an upright position so not a 45 degree incline but maybe a like on a, on a seated um bench just one notch so they've got a slight incline and they can do it that way mm -hmm. um that's probably your best bet for sure um and even going to a front dumbbell raise as opposed to a lateral um, and the other one that girls, well, not girls, everybody tends to do it with a cable when they're doing their cable side raises, they'll tend to sort of rotate the whole body and, you know, the scap will be all over the place. But I think if you can set your scapula, um, at the start of your, of, at the start of your rep and make sure that, um, you know, you're not heaving the weight up because if you're going to heave the weight up and you, you know, when people are standing doing their standing dumbbell lateral raises they'll use their whole body to sort of heave the mm. whole thing up you get a lot of a lot of trap with that um so strict form drop the weight concentrate on on the um the abduction of the the glenohumeral joint um is, is your way to go and um yeah, play around with hand position so if people are really bad at it i'd get them you know, maybe raise their thumb so it's more of a you know thumb up on as opposed to a thumb down because if 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 they're like can you see that so yeah. if they're yeah. if they're like it um their little finger is leading they're going to get a lot more trap mm. whereas if their thumb is leading they're going to get a lot more delt yeah so just play around with, that, with your grip and the positioning of the dumbbell that'll work okay for sure yeah hmm. cool. okay. oh awesome did you have any questions, Steph? Or uh, not really. I had a couple of little questions. 
Um, BCAAs. It's always kind of random ones, like how much fat should I have in my pre <laughs> And I'm like, I was thinking about that after our last show and I've gone, hang on a minute. I think I just said a hot, I was, I was thinking, I think I said like 60 grams of fat, which is a shitload of fat. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. And I remember you going, really? And I've gone, yeah, no, 60 would be a lot. Yeah. Okay. How many, how many fats? 30. Okay. Yeah. That sounds about 30 is in the neighborhood of where you would want to be. Yeah. So where, yeah. where you would be. Yeah. Well, depending on, um, how you're traveling, right? Um, yeah, I, I actually prefer to keep some fats in and, and pull the carbs out. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think the fats can, there's a satiating thing, of course. So that helps with your hunger and, mm. and, and, you know, plan around with, you know, maybe drop your MCTs out a little bit, maybe play around with some, um, almond, um, oil, a few different things. So you can still have some taste, throw that in with your, your sweet potato, mash it up, tastes pretty good. Mm. Um, you know, um, but yeah, I, I'd be dropping it well below sixty. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think the yeah, I'm pretty low now. I yeah, I think mine's pretty low as so. well. Or... I think mine's about twenty six grams. Yeah. Uh, just because we're pushing pretty well, totally, Are we are we talking turkey? What like a, a will you divulge your um your caloric intake? What are you what are you rolling in at the moment in terms? Uh, of your... I don't think I want to know. Even though I'm doing my own diet, but. <laughs> I mean, it's like I roughly know, but I'm not calculating it. Just yeah, so I don't. What would you, what would you estimate know. your caloric intake is at the moment? Good question. Yeah. Would you, so you're three weeks out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you normally go? Are you? Are you? Do you? Do you normally go super low on your caloric intake, and or or do you? I like to push expenditure more. So I, I'm never someone that will go no carbs. Like I have to have carbs first meal. I have yeah. to have carbs pre-workout, post-workout. I can kind of taper off and go no carb um, for the, the last few meals if I need to at the end, like I am now. But I would never yeah. be someone that, go, that goes like absolutely no carbs. Um, fats as well. I feel like when it gets to a really low point, it, it messes with me completely. Um, just energy yeah. for the brain. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, you, I think I saw you post something the other day too. You locked yourself out of your apartment two or three yeah, times. Yeah, so, so I locked myself out of my apartment twice this week. Um, I've walked away without paying for my food. <laughs> how, how weird is it that, that, that people actually listen to what you put on social media? It's kind of crazy. I know. Um, so, it's getting, uh, so it's getting close. Let's talk. Well, do you want to talk about sort of your prep and yeah, okay. leading yeah, I'd love to. the next three weeks? Yeah, why not? Yeah. I'll do the. I'll do the. I'll be the interviewer. I'll go the for it. <laughs> sure, go ahead. Um, so, so you're. So let's say. Well, Claire, do you know where you're at? Are you at? Are you what? In terms under twelve hundred calorie, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Got um. And is your, yep. Go. No, go you ahead. go. You go. <laughs> no, I was going to say. So, what what would be your split? Your proteins. Your, your sort of macro split. Do you have a bit of an idea? No, so I'm just following the plan pretty much, but it's it's about it's it is 80 grams of barramundi uh, three times a day, 80 grams yeah. of chicken breast twice a day, and then oats in the morning. Yeah. Oats with any protein or it's with protein powder. Okay. Yeah, but I've got no fats actually. And do you cal- is it is that are you calculating that 
grams per kilo of lean body mass or are you doing that as a I don't, I don't know. My coach has done all the calculations. So yeah. So Nate's done all that for me and I'll just follow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And are you, you're doing your own stuff or what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm coaching, I'm coaching myself now since, um, well, pretty much I'm, I think the whole time, but from 12 weeks onwards, I've, I officially took over. So everything myself. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so are you, you're eyeballing it, I guess, in terms of, at this um, point, yes, it's because I know. See yeah. how your progress is. You know where you're. You've done it a few. You've both done it a few times. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting because you know I, I probably am more inclined. I'd kind of dial it into the grams per kilo. Mm-hmm. Um, try and and look at a percentage of. You know, at this point in time, I. You know, you'd be at least fifty percent of your caloric intake would be protein. Mm-hmm. Probably, mm-hmm. you know you know, in the neighbourhood of maybe only 30, 35% carbs and probably only 10, maybe, well, even less, actually. You'd be mm. less than 10, 10% fat. Mm. Um, and um, so what about, what about your training-wise? Have you, have you shifted your training much in the last, like from this last three weeks on, how do you change your training around? We were uh, just talking about that. Yeah, we were just talking about that before. Like I probably... I've kept trying to keep my training intensity exactly the same. Um, Up until about last week, I kind of started not going so heavy and so much volume with my leg days um, just because I was like destroying myself and waking up really flat and um, run down the next day. So in terms of legs, like lower body, I'm doing a bit more isolation work rather than just going heavy volume, um, like compounding kind of lifts. Uh, Upper bodies virtually the same i haven't really changed that um but in terms of training splits exactly the same i do five days um a week i do so i do three lower body days like full lower body days one upper body day and one day which is a mix of glutes and shoulders yeah cool and so when are you both going to the states are you gonna three weeks and two days oh that's when our first competition is but we leave in two weeks so you're going to go a week a week and a bit before yeah. 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 Um, and have you? What's that flight time from Dubai? It's not too bad. I think it's fifteen hours yeah. to San Fran. One so it, straight, uh, it's a direct flight. Yeah. Direct. So we've got direct flight to San Fran, yeah. um, which is an hour and a half away from drive-wise to our first Sacramento. location um, in Sacramento. What's the first shot? Is that? It's Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. 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 And then you're doing the Pittsburgh show. No, then we've As got the last one, I am. one in between. Oh. Two in between, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. And then, yeah, Pittsburgh is the fourth show, mm-hmm. yeah, which cool. I'm not sure if I'm doing that yet, but we'll see. Yeah. Cool. So um, what's the time difference between Dubai and San Francisco? Do we know? Good Not question. Sure. Let's I'm heading down there. I want to talk to you about jet lag. What are you going to do when you're fleeing? Depends what you know time what you... it is. Yeah, we haven't booked our first flight yet. To be <laughs> yeah, we've booked, yeah. We've booked okay. everything except for our first flight because yeah. we're really worried our bikinis aren't going to arrive in time before we leave. Uh, so we need right. to wait for our bikinis to arrive in Dubai and then we can book our flights because um, we gotcha. have two weeks until we have to leave. And precision okay. in Dubai is notorious mm. for being really bad. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, What's so your thoughts like 
in terms of arriving in the States before our show, like, do you think the week and a half or just over a week is enough time? Is it plenty of time? Uh, yeah. oh, I would have gone earlier if it was me, but um, it depends on what your, your, your sort of capacity is to do that. Mm -hmm. Only because I don't know how you both travel, like long haul travel and you, you can see a fair bit of fluid shifts. So, so my advice would be, and I don't know, I, I, what I would do is I'd sit down and have a look at the time changes and what you're gonna, what time you leave and what time you're gonna arrive. The, the big thing with, with that sort of long haul travel is as soon as you get there, you wanna, like every time from Australia to the States is pretty easy because you, you arrive in the morning usually in the States. And if you arrive in the morning, you, you want that, you want sunlight, you want, and you want to move and you want to eat. Mm. They're, they're the three things you want to do as soon as you can when you arrive. I tell people um, if, if it's a long haul flight, um, don't, don't eat. Try not to eat at all on the flight if you can. But that's 15 hours with no food, yeah. which is not ideal. Um, and if you, and, and, but if you're going to eat, depending on the time of day you leave, you eat pretty much as soon as you get on the plane. You take, you know, depending on what food you can take on the plane, um, don't eat the plane food for sure. No, no. Um, no, no, no. Unless you're in business class and you can order whatever you want, that's yeah. a little bit different, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then your fluid intake on the plane is really important depending on how you travel. So, and by how you travel, I mean is whether or not you tend to retain fluid on a long haul flight. Like some people, I would, I would fly in compression get your hands on some compression and wear it on your lower body for sure. Particularly if you tend to, if your feet swell and things like that. I don't know if you experience that when you, when you do those big long haul flights. Um, but you know, if you're the sort of person and it's a bit hard to predict, but some people, if your ankles disappear, it's a bad thing because you, you know, that's going to take a few days to shift that fluid. Um, and if you've only got seven days, that's not a huge amount of time. Um, but I, cause I would normally drop, my leg, I would normally suggest the last leg workout probably on the Wednesday before a show. Uh, if the, the show is on, on a Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. So probably going to be, your probably last leg workouts probably going to be on the Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know if you two sort of do it that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. And then it's going to be just pump sessions, you know, full body, whole body, you know, sort of pump up sessions for the last couple of days until yeah. probably Friday. Um, but the travel is interesting if you can um and then when you arrive you know if you're going to land in san francisco and drive straight to sacramento or if you're going to stay in san francisco and train in san francisco yeah. for a couple of days yeah yeah just because yeah. um it's not really much in sacramento compared to san fran and so we're no. going to stay in san fran until like a couple of days yeah. before um and yeah. drive to sacramento that way yeah that's cool that's that's the go um yeah, or well, we can talk about that offline if you want. Or, you know, we can have a look at your flight times and that and yeah. see what might do. Because, yeah, it just seven days will be, you know, it'd probably be absolutely fine. But, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to prep for 14 weeks and get off a plane and feel like a water bus. Yeah, totally. I feel usually fine. I'm um, I, like every day I've, I, I drink seven or eight litres of water every single day anyway. And I find, because uh, I've gone overseas like, four or five times competing already anyway. And I find 
as long as I keep my water up, I actually end up getting really, like really extremely flat after a flight. Like I'll wake yeah. up the next day and I'll drop like a kilo and a half easy. Yeah. Um, so I'll be like flat with no water, flat with no glycogen. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And then obviously he's trying to work, um, sleep around the new time zones. Uh, but I know you Claire said your digestion gets pretty messed up. Yeah. My digestion is all over the place after a flight and, um, I blow up, like I hold onto a lot of fluid in my midsection mm. and upper body, especially. So yep. what, yeah. yeah. What well, would you suggest I did, you know, to prevent or to minimize those effects as much as I could? Oh, I would, oh, it sounds like a lot, but I would be trying to drink between three and 500 mils of water every hour. Yeah. So, it's, so on a flight, of that length you're probably gonna you're gonna throw in a heap of water you'll be okay. up and down to the toilet but it's worth it yeah. um and um that's probably the biggest thing i think on on the flight and um and get moving as soon as you arrive would be the go and i would travel in i'd definitely be traveling in in some compression type um garments whether it's it doesn't really matter what brand it is but just get something in that um keeps that venous return going and keeps that turnover going on as well mm -hmm. that's your best bet um and then um yeah i'd be getting a workout in as you know just a full body a little bit of everything as soon as you arrive yeah it's pretty easy going from brisbane to la because you can just stop in la and you know you can check your bags in and go down to the dentist and have a walk around eat at the firehouse whatever and, and go and do a workout. Um, San Francisco is the same. Um, it's pretty good gyms in San Francisco. So that's what I'd be doing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, definitely. And then just manipulate your, your nutrition based on how you're going. If you need to drop fluid or if you need, whatever you need to do, you, you just have to modify a few little things off the back of that. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't be, shouldn't be too big a problem, but, okay. um, would yeah, you aim I mean, to go, would you aim to go carbless on the flight just to make sure you're not yeah. getting any water change? I yeah. usually 100%. do. Mm -hmm. Fully, 100%. like that whole day. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no question. Oh, I, I think it's a good rule not to eat on planes anyway, but mm. particularly for physique stuff, um, definitely carb free. If you're going to eat anything, it'd be some protein and, and maybe, um, depending on the protein, maybe some fats that are in the protein, but that's about it. Um, yeah i literally just yeah i usually just bring my white fish and i'll have that like maybe every four hours if it's a long mm -hmm. flight i never knew this but apparently you can take your food through the border when you get to the usa so i didn't know this really? until my last one someone told me okay. but as long as you declare it you you can take it through um right past customs okay yeah do either of you modify your water and your sodium your... I I do in peak week, yeah. What would you do in terms of modifying sodium in peak week? I don't change it. I, I don't really play around with water and sodium very much. I'll tell you, because the, the issue, well, it depends. It, if, if, if it's with, um, you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to test it early on, right? So at least three months before the show, I would have done a, a mock prep week, a peak week just to see how you manipulate that. Because what you don't want is 
when it comes to the sodium balance side of things, it can affect, well, as you know, it affects blood volume, it affects blood pressure. Um, but the problem that you have sometimes is when you drop out your sodium, your kidneys start to can try and conserve sodium. And so they'll actually um, uh, start to absorb um, aldosterone is the hormone that gets produced. And so what aldosterone does is it causes reabsorption and retention of water and sodium back into your circulation. And that's what makes people flat and soft on comp day. Um, if they've taken out their sodium too much and it doesn't matter how much water you drink, you're just going to pee it out. You won't, you won't retain it. So um, there's a couple of other pretty complicated proteins. There's a protein called SLGT1, I think it is. And that's also responsible for glucose resorption. And so you've got, when you drop that out, the sodium depleting and the aldosterone lead to a, a stuffing up of your glucose absorption, which leads to, so you basically can't absorb glucose, so you can't get full. So you can eat all the carbs you like, your, your body goes into this sort of rejection type of situation. So the undigested glucose then becomes a problem because it sits in your small intestine. Um, and what that then does, it pulls water into your intestine and that makes you bloated. Mm, okay. And so you're bloated, you're flat, um, and and that's not what you want on comp day. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you've just got to play around with it a little bit and see where you're at. Water-wise, um, I, would, I would just say uh, from about, well, from Friday, it's if you're thirsty, have a drink, mm -hmm. have, have a sip of water. Like, don't try and guzzle you know, eight litres on the Friday and the Saturday. It depends when the show is and the timing of it and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, the sodium, if you, if, if you, you just got to trial it to make sure, you know, you, you kind of get it right. Because um, I just see it go wrong all the time and people, you know, end up flat as a pancake on the show. And then post-show, they'll go and have their refeed and the next day they'll be vascular and massive and look fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, and it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So I, I've kind of, like, I've, I've sort of gone away from manipulating sodium too much. Um, I would just, but I keep it the same. So I, I don't know if you put sodium in your pre-workouts and things like that, but I would tend to have a fairly high sodium intake in your prep anyway. And I would just maintain that all the way through. Because mm -hmm. you, yeah. you, you can continue yeah. to do that and that'll keep you full as mm -hmm. opposed to dropping it out and causing, um, you know, potentially a, a sort of a rebound effect. Um, and there's nothing worse than being flat. Can't get a pump pack backstage. You feel bloated. Your tummy is, you know, upset. And if you've got gastrointestinal, you know, if, if, it's, if you, a lot of people have GI problems anyway, um, it's just going to make him a whole lot worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. That's what, that's what I tend to do. I usually do a bit of um, like playing around with the sodium um, in my peak weeks and Nathan and I, we had like a, we have a plan that we've done for most of my shows and it always works. And then my cool. last show, we didn't play around with the sodium. We kept it the same. Um, this is with um, the, uh, my other coach, coach yeah. and um I didn't come in like I it didn't yeah. that peak week didn't work for me so we'll probably go back to the original um okay so as a new you reduce your salt the yes. last 
peak no, weight when it didn't yeah, so work. What I do is, so the peak that works for me usually is, um, or well, every time actually is just say the shows on Saturday. I think I would start, I'd cut my salt out at like, I think it would be Tuesday. Mm. No salt Tuesday, no salt Wednesday, Thursday. I would add it back into maybe two meals. Friday, I'd add it back into all meals, but a little bit, like only bits at a time. And then Saturday, it's back in on show day. And I actually, like, I come in full, but tight. Yeah. So I don't know. What's your, what what do you eat on the morning of the show? By then, I think like 250 grams of rice, steak and an egg. Yeah. And I, I usually mm-hmm. get like a muffin, two muffins the night before and oats. Yeah. So I carb up like mm-hmm. a fair bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting because a lot of people, you know, you know, you see, I see people eating rice cakes and peanut butter backstage all the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. trying to, trying to load up on, and I'm thinking there's a ton of fat in peanut butter. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, or they're eating, um, you know, snakes and, jelly beans and stuff trying to get you know it's it's absolutely if you yeah, throw no. a bunch of a leaf in for the listeners if the listeners are competing don't do that don't I eat wouldn't lollies. touch it no, no. um you it, it will just pull a bunch like i just said it'll just sit in your upper intestine small intestine it'll pull a heap of water into your stomach into mm-hmm. your gut and you'll be bloated as anything and you'll be flat as a tack so don't do that mm-hmm. um you know but i i agree claire like you know, I would rather people had um, like a, a, muff, a half muffin or, you know, maybe mm. I've had a bit of success with Anzac biscuits for some really? reason, like yeah. backstage, have, a, have just two Anzac biscuits. Um, um, Doritos, actually, corn chips, salted yeah. corn chips. What do you mm, think of that? I got salted vinegar chips. Yeah, that's what yeah, me and Steph. Yeah. Time. yeah. So backstage. I always do like, I go salmon and salmon and rice yeah. for my carb ups. I see a clean of sugar, like waste. Yeah, like, me too. It just bloats me and yeah. pulls water into my um, intestines. Yeah. yeah. So then before stage, always sort of bigger chips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that works really well. Yeah. Um, and people who, um, you know, even like a half a Snickers bar or something just immediately before, um, just some sugars, just like I'm talking, like, you know, like 15 minutes before you go on kind of right, thing. Right, okay. Like, you know that sort of thing yeah, yeah. that might work out. yeah um, i feel like sugars are okay for me if i'm in between um like going on coming coming off and going back on stage like if i'm feeling a little yeah. bit hyper after yeah. coming off stage that's when i'll have some yeah. lollies um some lollies yeah. to get me back up and then yeah get some energy yeah. before going back on stage yeah and you know and yeah absolutely so um little tricks of the trade right it makes yeah. a big difference because you see people um you know, I feel for them because it's hard to know, right? But people eating bananas, eating a bunch of fructose, and I'm just like, man, that's just going to sit in your gut and and give you a wind and you're going to feel terrible and, you know, it's not what you want to yeah. do. But, um, and I know a fair few people that do shots of vodka. Um, yeah, never done that. Never done that. Not <laughs> never. No, doing that either. I've never recommended it, but it's. I know some people that do it um, for to bring out the veins. And yeah. I know they main, I must say they're all guys. I don't know any girls that do it, but no. enough few blokes that do it. Um, you know, taking a bottle of cement off and go backstage. But mm. yeah, but anyway, um, interesting. Yeah. interesting. What's your thoughts 
I have two questions. What would be your ideal perfect peak week diet to give someone? And second question, uh, what are your thoughts on diuretics? Uh, well, the, I'll go with the first, the second question first. So the reality of the industry is that, um, so whatever your stance is on, you, you mean pharmaceutical diuretics, right? Like not a herbal diuretic or do you mean, Why don't like, we do go you both? mean over the hey? Let's, let's go both. Okay. So with the diuretics, the thing that I think people get wrong is the diuretics will shift water, right? They won't shift fat. Mm. And so this is where I say to people, okay, if you're in your peak week and you're in your prep, if you're, if you're off, like if you're weeks behind, all the diuretics in the world will not get you like where you need to be. You can take all the fluid out of your system, but if you've still got fat there, you've got fat there. So that's a completely different scenario to what a diuretic would do, which is really just to take some subcutaneous water out of your, out of your system so that you look linked, like well, you're, you're, um, you're harder through, through your physique, I suppose. So um, the, the nature of the industry is that everybody takes them and that's, what, that's how the world works. Um, in, in, you know, not everybody takes them, but you know, they're, they're part of the world we live in. So always go with potassium sparing, um, I know, I don't know, do we name them? I don't know. What, what, I don't know whether we name them on the show, but anyway. I don't so know the names, but you can go ahead and name them. <laughs> oh, well, there's a bunch. But so the key to diuretics, or one of the things to think about is that some of them, there are some products on the market that are used in, in, in metabolic diseases and fluid retention um, that are very hard on the kidneys. And they, t and they strip all the potassium out of your system, right? And the big one here in Australia is Lasix, L-A-S-I-X, which is, a, which is a, a, a pretty hardcore diuretic that you would not want to be on. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm endorsing anything or, or not. I'm sitting on the fence here, but Lasix will strip potassium out of your system. The reason potassium is a problem to be stripped out of your system is that it regulates your heart rate. Mm, yeah. So if you take all the potassium out of your system, you run a very high risk of having a problem. Yeah. Um, I've heard of girls having heart palpitations um, backstage before. Okay. So that's exactly what, we, yeah, that's exactly what can happen. And, you know, you know, there's a, you know, there's been a lot of deaths in bodybuilding in the last couple of years. I don't, well, it's, it's not, it's for a whole bunch of reasons, not just sort of one particular thing. But um, um, so there are other products that are potassium sparing, like um, the common ones used here are things like mod diuretic and aldactone. They're, they're used quite quite a lot um, in some situations. Um, you know, the thing for me is um, the pharmaceutical stuff, you really need to be getting really good advice about that. Um, I think people take diuretics thinking that they're going to get lean on them and that's not what they, that's not what they're for. So there's a lot of herbal diuretics as well, um, on the market that, uh, are commonly used over the counter that you can buy that flush fluid out of the system. You know, I think if you, if you want to be stage ready and fluid is an issue, then, then there's something to be considered, but I kind of want to be clear to the listeners. I'm not endorsing anything. Um, you know, but, but being informed is really important. Um, 
and um, some people get some really bad advice. Like, you know, I've I've seen people who have done everything from use suppositories, like diuretic suppositories, to um, you know, high dose um, non-potassium sparing, and and kind of, you know, potentially you can hurt yourself pretty badly. So, um, is that an answer, Steph, to the question? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I don't know. But so they're part of our world, right? Mm-hmm. I've got another another question. Um, it came up in a conversation with one of uh, my posing clients the other day. I'm not going to name who, but um, their, coach, <laughs> their coach has uh, had them on, on growth, growth hormone. So what are your, yep. what is, what's your opinion on... Female? A, a, pardon? A female on growth. A female, yes. A bikini competitor, amateur competitor, bikini competitor on growth yeah. hormone. I would say an amateur competing, uh, uh, amateur bikini competitor on growth is ridiculous. Yes, I do agree. Do agree, 100%. Um, and depending what, on the dose. What would be the implications from that? Well, um, um that's a really so so it depends a lot on the dose it depends on even if it's real growth like there's a lot of counterfeit growth on the market um uh, i don't know what dosage this girl's on do you know what she was how much she was taking no, no i wasn't didn't ask but no yeah okay so growth hormone um i assume that the person's got her on that because growth hormone will is lipolytic so it it is useful for fat loss and getting lean Mm. um and that's a you know that's one of the reasons growth hormones used in anti-aging and things like that so um but for an amateur bikini competitor to be taken growth hormone just is just i I just can't understand why anyone would do that that would that's crazy yeah yeah Yeah. which is which is very very late as well um Anyway, long story short, she's um, yeah. nearly yeah. pulled out of the comp, cut a, out of comp. Um, that's coming up very shortly. But yeah, so yeah. Um, what about side yeah, effects wise? Oh, side effects wise, um, it de- like it's like any any drug. So I think with any any sort of pharmaceuticals, I always think of it as there's there's a use for them, like a clinical use. Then there's misuse, and then there's abuse, right? And mm-hmm. so you know. Uh, the body is very forgiving, generally speaking. Um, and we know that because, you know, people smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol and, you know, your, your body can take a fair bit of punishment, right? Anyone who goes to Vegas for three days, Claire, and hits the clubs for three nights knows, you know, your liver cops are hit. But so um, I think it's, um, I mean, the side effects are, different to what they would be if she was taking androgens. So if, if she's taking any, not this girl, but whoever, females who are taking high dose androgens is a bigger problem. I'm talking testosterone and things like that, where you're not going to get the same side effects that, with growth hormone that you would get with, with some of those other androgenic substances like the, you know, the hair loss, um, you know, changes to your voice and structure, stuff like that. So, um, you're not going to get any of that. 
Um, Long-term damage, hard to know. I mean, it depends on dose. It depends on what it was. It depends how long she's been on it. You know, it's a bit of a difficult one to answer. Yeah, um, okay. All right. Did you say I, she had I mean, been no, on it for a whole entire prep, which I think was about 20 weeks all up so far. Um, and the reason why she was having um, concerns and second thoughts about it was she was very extremely bloated um, and not very well. Yeah, well... I just think that's crazy. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, Silly. And that's the problem in our industry, right? The, the mm. problem in the industry is that, um, you know, it's a bit of the wild west in that anyone can, you know, you can, anyone can be a comp prep coach. You know, anyone can say they're prepping people and giving out advice on, um, you know, on, on drugs and that sort of stuff. I think you, you just got to stay in your wheelhouse, I reckon, in life. Like, um, you know, I'm not a dietitian, so, you know, I have an understanding of nutrition, that sort of thing. But, you know, um, there's some things that I, well, there's some things that people shouldn't delve into if they're not, if they don't have expertise in it. If you don't have expertise in pharmacology, then you really shouldn't be in that space. But it kind of doesn't stop a lot of people. And, yeah, and growth for 20 weeks before an amateur bikini comp is madness and probably costs her about 15 grand. Mm, yeah well gosh yeah so the bloatedness yeah. uh yeah the gut distension is 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 a possible side effect from it for sure mm. yep. okay. interesting yeah um going back to going back to our other question what would be oh, your perfect peak week diet oh, my perfect peak week diet um gee that's a hard question because it depends right on the, the individual person, yeah True, um, but what what fruit options would you would you opt for? Oh, I'm going to keep it pretty limited. You're not going to get a lot of options. You're going to mm. eat a ton of white fish. Um, some people, I'd probably stick with sweet potato, um, depending on whether you know. Some people, it depends what you tolerate. If you tolerate rice, we're going to go with rice. If you tolerate sweet potato, we're going to go with sweet potato. Mm. Maybe a little bit of white potato, but probably mostly sweet potato. You're going to get a lot of your fats from um, your oils, your MCTs, things like that. Um, it's going to be pretty bland. Lots of cruciferous veggies still. We'll throw those in your broccoli, your kale and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think, I actually think you can leave, oh, probably not peak week, but right up until peak week, you can probably leave in, you know, if you've got, you know, there's some, um, some seasonings and some sauces that are zero cal. That are probably okay. I, I keep caffeine in. Um, I pretty much everyone that I talk, I work with, um, I'm good with three sort of triple shot espressos a day if that's what you need. Um, pre-workout drops out probably. Mm. Um, pre-workout probably drops out peak week, um, and all your other um, artificial sweeteners pretty much gone. Um, what else? Uh, what else is in there? Um, yeah, it's just lean as. It's bland as. It's egg whites. It's fish. It's, uh, I mean, I, I like oats. Some people don't really, some people get bloated on oats, so that'll have to drop out. But a bit of trial and error up until then around what that looks like. Um, and calories-wise, it just depends on on the person I, I mean 
I don't know, far out. I mean, I don't think I've ever taken anyone south of a thousand calories. Mm. Um, but probably, I probably have. Actually, yes, I have. Um, and well, whether or not they they follow the diet or not, I'm not sure. But um, you know how? Have you ever had this situation? Because I've had this situation where you know you you you. You're working with someone. You 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 put their meal plan together. You've done their training program. You've you've got their cardio, because and I'm pretty detailed with the with all of that in terms of the caloric expenditure and so forth. Like even with like I, I like to do a lot of um, so you're going to do your steady state stuff. So you'll do your cardio. You'll get on your stepper and you'll do all that. That's cool, right? But and you and the steps, whatever. I always have a problem with people going. I'm I'm doing ten thousand steps. I'm like, yeah, but. You know, unless you're wearing a Fitbit or something, you need a caloric expenditure off the back of that. You know, I could do 10,000 steps and you could do 10,000 steps and it's completely different caloric expenditure, right? Mm -hmm. um, so um, that's the thing. So whereas I would do um, a lot of really high intensity interval work. So I mean, 15 seconds, absolutely max spin, followed by 40 seconds of 45 seconds of easy spin and 10 of them back to back. Kind of like, uh, yeah, that sort of stuff. You burn a ton of calories. It's actually good for your legs. You keep some muscle mass on your legs when you can't, if, you, if you're not lifting heavy. There's some things like that that are pretty handy. Um, but, um, and then, uh, yeah, don't play around with water. Don't play around with sodium very much. Um, and creatine, I've, I've creatine loaded a few people, but it's not that effective really. Um, you know, if you, it depends if, if, if they're getting creatine from any other source of their diet. Um, but I've done some creatine loading and it's pretty, it fills people up a little bit sometimes. Um, is that creatine loading including <laughs> competition? Yeah. Okay. How does, how does that work? So just drop it out. Um, so I drop it out two weeks out. It doesn't work though. If you, if you're eating red meat, it's not going to work because mm. you, you're going to get creatine out of your out of your um out of your thing, but then it's a high dose. It'll be thirty grams. It'll be thirty grams a couple of times a day. High dose creatine mm -hmm. um, in the last week. Okay. And just so you drop it two weeks wait. before and then add it in yep. in the last week. Yeah, yeah, and then add it in the last week, and that that'll tend to fill people up. It's all it's water in the muscle, right? It's intramuscular water. Mm -hmm. So for every gram of creatine that's stored, you'll store three grams of water. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So that's the sort of method to the madness. But you, the other, the beauty of creatine is that, like, unlike carbs, where you can overspill and flatten right out, like we were just talking about, you won't spill on creatine. You'll just excrete it. Okay. So when when you can't store any more, it's just gone. It doesn't get stored. It doesn't get. It doesn't load up the gut. Doesn't cause any bloating. You just you just wee it out. Okay. So ideally, if you're, if you're creatine loading, then that's going to um, to help draw the water in your subcutaneous yeah. fat and draw it into into your muscular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fills up oh. your muscles. Yeah. Uh, and that and you know you can see a shift. You can see a shift of three kilos in in body weight, which is all water, but it's all intramuscular and it's still lean as anything. Yeah. Okay. So as in weight shifting yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Um, yep, yeah, I'd leave the caffeine in. What else? Yeah, 
pretty basic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cardio. What's your, what's your, oh, cardio. Uh, well, it depends, right? Um, but uh, <laughs> some people do cardio right up until until Friday, and some people aren't. I, I, I kind of just, I, I'd pro- probably keep it pretty consistent um, up until maybe the Wednesday or Thursday. Mm. Um, and then fr- Thursday, Friday, just fill up days, really. Um, stay active. Don't, you know, a lot of people do dumb stuff, not dumb, but they just, so for example, if people live, let's say they live in rural Queensland, they come to the Gold Coast or somewhere for a comp, and on the Thursday, Friday, they'll go to pack fair and walk around for five hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like just things like that. It's just, you want to go back to your hotel. You want to keep your feet up. You know, you want to just chill for a couple of days and, yeah. um, you know, not go shopping for, for two days and do <laughs> yep. 50,000 steps. No. Yeah. Do you see the merit in coming up um, three days prior to comp or would you always stick with two? Car, I, I front load the carbs. I would front load earlier in the week. Okay. Can you I, explain that to our listeners? What the difference of oh, well, so, front loading, back loading? Um, yeah. So with, with the cardio, it, the really, the last really heavy cardio sessions, probably on the Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, probably going to limit cardio to about 30 minutes. Um, and I'm not going to do any more high intensity interval work. That's probably the, what I should say to the listeners. So the high intensity interval work comes at a metabolic cost, but also it comes at a muscular cost because it's maximal. So there's a little bit of intramuscular trauma. And so you can get some inflammation from it. You don't want inflammation, Mm. particularly on the legs, right? Um, So really the cardio from Tuesday onwards is really just, let's just get a sweat up. You're going to do a ton of posing practice. So, you know, you're going to sweat, you know, if you're doing that properly, you're going you're gonna to sweat a fair bit when you're doing that. Thursday is going to be a light stroll, maybe 30 minutes. If you're in this part of the world, you go for a beach stroll or something like that. Um, but nothing crazy. Stay active, but don't do anything silly. Do your posing practice as normal, which could be a couple of hours, right, of posing practice, depending on what you need to do. Um, minimal walking around. And the whole concept is let's just rest and recharge. And Friday, no cardio. No training Friday at all. Um, and then, so with the carbs, so um, I kind of, again, with carbs, for every um, gram of muscle glycogen, it's got about three to four grams of intracellular water that happens with it. So people will see an increase in body weight, but you've just got to track it. Like it's almost meal to meal in, in that last week. Um, just to adjust it, have the meal, you know, have a look in the mirror, see what you see, how that adjust, how that measures, particularly at an elite level where, you know, a one to two, 3% change, you know, you need to tweak that. Um, so what the front load carbs means is that Monday I will bump their carbs up about 350% on what their normal carb intake is. So for some people that will be anywhere from, that might be three and a half grams per kilo. Of, of muscle mass, of body, of, of body mass. So if you weigh 40 kilos, um, you would be having, say, 150, 130, 140 grams of carbs, mm-hmm. which isn't a ton, but if you've been having only sort of one gram, I've just 
tripled your carb intake. So, um, and then, so front load that. So Wednesday, so, mon uh, so Monday and Tuesday, whatever their carb intake was up until peak week, I'm going to increase it by three or four times. So triple or quadruple, quadruple it. Then on the Wednesday, drop it back to about 300%. So most, most girls, most bikini girls would be on about a gram of carb per kilo body mass in that last week or so. It's not very much. Like it's 40, 50, 60 grams of carbs for the whole day. I don't know if you're that low, but that, that's where a lot of people end up, right? So, um, and then Thursday, Friday, I'm probably going to bring them back to about 1.7, 1.6, 1 1.7 grams of carbs per kilo of body mass. Um, so, it's still going to be slightly more than what they were probably on in the, in the sort of couple of weeks leading up. I, I wouldn't, I don't change the diet. So, the, the diet the last two weeks... So week three pre and week two pre are probably going to be the same because I would normally want them ready. Like peak week is a tweak week. It's not shit. We've got to lose more fat week. Mm -hmm. So I would prefer them to be almost ready two weeks out. So that, or, or, you know, very close to it so that it's more of a fluid shift thing than a body fat thing. If you're trying to lose body fat in the last week or the last two weeks, that's hard yards, yeah. Mm. I, um, yeah. So that and that, so that's what I mean by front loading. Um, and then, uh, depending on how they look, depending on how they feel, um, it could be something at like Rego is usually the first, the day before. Um, but I would have trialed that. Oh, like for example, um, you know, I mentioned a Snickers bar before. If I'm going to give you a Snickers bar. I'm going to make sure I know what a Snickers bar does to you. Mm. Like I'm not going to give you a Snickers bar the night before a comp. You've just dieted for 16 weeks. I'll give you a, six, a Snickers bar and I just destroyed your whole, you know, prep. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and then Saturday comp day, pretty much like you said, um, pretty basic, uh, maybe 150 grams of steak, a little bit of barbecue sauce on it maybe. Um, that's pretty good for your fats. It puts a bit of sodium back in if you've got it out. Probably 20 grams of peanut butter, something like that. Um, uh, in you know maybe just a spoonful of peanut butter, some low GI carbs. Probably roll in with some oats, some sweet potato. Probably maybe maybe 80 grams of sweet potato. It depends a little bit. Please, girls, don't go and eat what I just said if that's not your normal diet. Not you two. I mean everybody else who's listening. Mm -hmm. um, so it might be 15, 20 grams of fat on that show day, which is what you both said you do anyway. Um, and then water consumption is thirst only. And that's pretty much it. And then pre-stage, like I said, um, a little bit higher GI, no, no fructose though. So no fruits, no lollies, no, no simple sugars. Um, it might be a, like an oat bar or a Anzac cookie or maybe a, a brand muffin or something like that. Um, because the Snickers has seven grams of protein in it. Actually, I'll probably get this wrong. I think it's got about seven grams of protein. It's got about 24 grams of fat. And I think it's got about 63 grams of carbs in a Snickers bar. Um, so that's, that's a fair bit of sugar. Um, and so that can either make you really vascular or flat as a tack. So you've got to work out what that looks like. Um, or you might grab 
you know, a protein bar, a chocolate protein bar. Some of those are pretty high in sodium as well. Um, anyway, something fairly high GI that brings out some veins. Um, and then maybe, um, maybe 30 minutes pre-stage, um, hit a pre-workout um, to give them a, a bit of a, um, depending on what's in the pre-workout, but, you know, whether it's beta alanine or, um, you know, um, bit of nitric oxide or whatever it might be, just to get that vascular pump and make them feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. okay. How's that? Would you, that would you manipulate fats in peak week or only at the mean on show day? I oh, know. I would manipulate them in peak week, depending on how they look. Well. Okay. Yeah. What would, what would make you want to manipulate fats in peak week? Um, the fats in peak week would be mostly around um, trying to manage their hunger. And so if they're ready, if someone's ready, I'm not going to tweak anything really, you know, um, but if they're, if they're chasing body fat losses, then it's got to come off. And that's one of the only ways it's going to come off. So it just depends um, on the person. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And even the type of fats, um, I do definitely go with um, like nuts. I would drop nuts. Most nuts are gone. Like peanut butter. Like I know everybody loves peanut butter, but it's, there's a lot of calories in peanut butter. So it's probably gone at least a couple of weeks out. Mm. Um, and, not, and then so I would bring people in on it's in your MCTs, your coconut oil. Um, Almond oil, stuff like that. Okay. Ton of ton of energy in that. So, and a little bit satiating as well. So, um, I don't have peanut butter in a prep. I don't, do you? No, I don't have any nut no, butters. I just have I just have almond butter. That's it. I didn't even have. No, almond. and that was the story I was going to get to before. And this has been a long chat, and your listeners yeah. are probably all falling asleep. I'm um, worried that the recording's going to stop or it stops oh, without it's a still stopping. going. But is it it's still going? Yeah, it's still recording. It's, I hope can it, you see the upper? Yeah, yeah I I'm, can. I'm nervously watching the little, yeah. little icon. <laughs> it always tells you. Yeah. It, it always tells you. So yeah. anyway, um, so what was I going to say? Oh, like if you're prepping someone and you have, you know, you've got their, their nutrition plan there and you know what they're doing training wise and they're not dropping and they're not dialing in, then I'm going, hang on a minute. Are you really doing what I'm asking you to do? Yeah, hundred you know, percent. And yeah. I've had a couple. I've had. I've had someone recently who probably will listen to this, and yeah. um, she did admit to me after the show wow. that she didn't take any of the peanut butter out. And yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think this is one of my sense. my client. And she your client. Might just happened to be one of your clients as yes. well, <laughs> who, who did wow. not take the peanut butter out. And um, Naughty. And you know what? Um, she didn't do as well as she would have liked. Mm. You know, she still looked good and everything, but um, maybe if she had taken the peanut butter out, you never know what might yeah. have happened. 100%. Yeah. Lesson yeah. learned, hey? peanut butter, people. I'm sorry. No. There's some things that you can't prep on, and that's one of them. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Nutella. You can't prep on Nutella. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I that's no. That. Hell no. <laughs> hell that's, no. Uh, that's a hard no for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, what else? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, we, I think I yeah. think we're we're ready to wrap up. Ready I think our listeners will be 
it's all been a lot of information, of yes. course. <laughs> You've been amazing. It's been a, it's thanks, been a, thanks, it's been a long meandering chat. It's been yeah. a long chat. Yeah, but I that's, like we always that's why that. our listeners love love when you come on um, to chat with us because we talk about everything. Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm very, uh, I feel very privileged and very honoured to be on the show. So um, always happy to jump on whenever. Just let me know. We can talk turkey. Interesting to see. Um, it'd be good to see how you. Uh, these are first comps you've done in the US. Yes, first pro shows. Pro yeah. 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 Pro shows. yeah, yeah, yeah. First pro shows. Yeah. Um, have you seen the lineups? You know who you're competing against? A rough idea, but we're not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, I yeah. haven't looked at all to be honest. Like, yeah. we've been strategic with our first few tri- first few shows, trying to avoid the the crazy popular ones, especially with the Olympians. Um, yeah. But you never know who turns up until on the day. So no, um, the last show, Pittsburgh, is a massive show. Like, of course, it's going yeah, to be the top of the Olympians yeah. there. But that's yeah. that's why we – well, that's why I made that my last show, just to go out with a bang and compare myself with the yeah. um, the bigger Olympians. So, yeah, first yeah. first few shows, and we're going to give it a really hot hot crack and then yeah. we're going to recess after this, this run and get back to the USA again. Um, yeah. Hopefully Later a couple of times year. this year. So we'll recess yeah. some more dates, more shows when we get back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. So um, well, I'll be, uh, so yeah, um, if, anyway, if, any, if I can help out with anything, let me know. Um, Thank you. Um, sounds like you're all sorted and dialing in pretty cool. So it's good. It'll be We're interesting to see, uh, getting there. see how you go. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're competing against each other now? We sure are. <laughs> yeah. So we made a um, a pact that we mentioned on our last podcast. So um, we're going going to be doing all the USA shows together, and then sure. once um, so the aim is for us both of us to qualify for the Olympia for this year. So as soon as um, one of us, qualify. one of us qual- qualifies, then the person that has already qualified will sit out, but we'll continue the trip with the other yeah. person. So who who what? Um, sorry, you just I think you just said, but it dropped out the. Um, to qualify, what have you got to do? Place top three? You have to win, win. You have to win the pro show. You've got to win a pro show to qualify. Yeah. So then do they, they not have they don't have the points thing in do they have the points thing like the guys do? Yes, they, they do, do, but I wouldn't rely on that. Yeah. Yeah. We want to win a show. Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Because the point system will, will change and manipulate over the season. Um and there'll be nerve wracking. You know, if you if you think you've got enough points for the Olympia, and then you start prepping for the Olympia, and then you realise you get bumped off at the end, that's not ideal. Situation. Yeah, it's not great. No, that's not. <laughs> just I think put it in the bank, just win a show. So someone wins, one of you Green. wins Sacramento. Yep. That's cool. And then the next one, that's cool. Life's good. Yep, exactly. Yep, that'll, that'll that's the perfect. plan. <laughs> sounds like a great plan. I like it. That's cool. Oh, All right. Well, um, thank you very much for having me on again. You're awesome. welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure we'll have you back we'll back on again soon. So yeah. any listeners have any more questions, drop them to us and we'll have Let you me back. Know. Very happy to jump on whenever. Oh, I'll tell you what we're going to do when you get back. Oh, no. Well, when, when I see you both in person again, which I don't know when that will be. Yeah, it but, might be um, soon. Yeah. We okay. are planning on well, coming back to visit at some or point. Or it might be in the States when, you, True. when you're there as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I, I want to put you through this um, screening thing that I've developed. That um, this anthropometric thing that we uh, that I do with all the NFL players over there, and so we can determine exactly how much potential muscle mass you can develop and put on, you know, your legs and your torso and your arms and all that sort of thing. So um, it's a 
it's a really um, precise tool to determine um, how much capacity people have got to grow. So I'm going to start doing it here in Australia as well. Yeah, that'd be um, awesome. Yeah. 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 So I'll, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm doing it with some AFL teams first and then I'll, um, I'll roll it out into um, the competitive physique industry. And so it'll, it'll, it'll tell people, um, well, it'll give them an indication of their potential for growth. Yeah. The thing that throws it out, of course, is the pharmacology stuff we were talking about before. Mm. You know, that, that changes how much muscle you can grow. But, um, but in, for, a, for a sort of natural competitors, it's, um, it's pretty, pretty good, pretty indicative yeah. of, of development, yeah. So, um, awesome. and uh, I just, um, I've got my, uh, my glute book with the publisher at the moment. So when it's uh, ready, I'll send you a copy. Definitely. Yeah, we'd love to read that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm turning it into a workshop as well. So I'm going to run it over a couple of days workshop. So um, yeah. we might have to, we'll have to have a chat about that as well. Yeah, totally. Cool. Definitely. Totally. Definitely. Will. We're interested in that for sure. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't speak to you in person, safe travels, but I'll be, Thank uh, you. I'll be staying in touch via Insta. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Always. Awesome. Thank you for coming back okay. on. And for all our listeners, thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. And we'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks, guys. Cool. See you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.